Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Current Status. My name is Teresa Miller, and you can find me on Twitter as 247ITConnect. Uh, um, just a couple of things um, before we jump over to our co-host and guest. So first of all, um, we have Pumala with us today, but she's producing in the background, um, so we won't um, have any commentary from her today. And I'm excited to introduce our topic. I'm really excited to talk about it because I don't know that I have any experience with this. So we're gonna learn a lot from our guest today. We're gonna talk about big application gaps exposed by COVID. So um, before we dive into that, um, Holly, my uh, esteemed co-host, can you introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I am Holly Lehman. You can find me on Twitter at Lehman underscore underscore Holly. I look forward to connecting with everybody. Um, thank you for joining us today. I would like to, you know, welcome everybody to the show and especially our guest of honor, Yadin. If you want to tell us about yourself and give us a quick intro, and we'll jump into the conversation. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you, Holly. Yes, my name is Yadin Porter de Leon at Porter de Leon, the most creative Twitter handle ever, uh, and uh, and I'm at VMware, so I'm part of that peer-to-peer -peer executive um, effort there where I chat with CIOs and CEOs about digitally transforming the world. Lots of digital transformation happening over there. And also some of you may know me as the Level Up uh, founder and evangelist and advocate um, that puts out the V-Trail map at the VM Worlds. Unfortunately, we won't be able to do that in person this year. But so some of you, you, know, some of you know me through Level Up and through the V-Trail map. And so that's me. Awesome. Hopefully there'll be a digital version of the V-Trail this year. There is indeed. There is a yeah. digital version. Good. That's fantastic. Good. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice asset. Going to be, it's a whole environment actually. It's going to be cool. No spoilers. I'll, I'll put it out on Twitter when we're ready. Oh, okay. All right. We're not going to hear it first here. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No breaking news here. Unfortunately. Not yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> something slip. Who knows? All right. So let's, Let's dive right into the topic. Um, what are you seeing? What are some of the big application gaps that, that are being exposed uh, today as a result of this pandemic and, and the virus? Well, just to kind of give you a little bit of background on this, this comes from, because you know a lot of people are opiners. Um, I just happen to be someone who talks to a lot of people who are very, very smart. So I talk to smart people. I'm going to tell you what the smart people are saying. That's basically what I'm doing today. So a couple of things. One, uh, I was participated in a global MIT study. We uh, interviewed about 600 CIOs, CXOs, and IT decision makers. That, so a lot of it comes from that. And then also, um, I talked to a lot of other really wonderful people like you know the CIO of Logitech, you know, Massimo. Um, you know, our own, you know, James Waters and Joe Beta of, you know, Kubernetes, you know, founding fame. And the consensus is, is that there are a lot of plans were in place to modernize when you talk about app, you know, portfolio and what the gaps were. And everyone saw, okay, we have legacy, we have all this other stuff and we want to be able to go from here. Just basically want to go from here to there. Everyone's at a different level of maturity from manufacturing to technology companies. But we want to go from here. We don't, we can't respond very quickly to whether it's new regulations or new opportunities in the market. We need to move faster. We need to be able to take something that we want and put it into software and working in production faster than we're doing it right now. We're doing it in nine months, 10 months, 12 months. We need to do this in three or four weeks. And that's a cataclysmic shift 
And that's that the, the big gaps were exposed by COVID because they wanted to, they saw immediately, okay, well, we don't have like, for example, you know, Logitech, they didn't have like the capability to track orders in the way that they wanted to. Cause a lot of the times Best Buy was like selling most of this. And Miss Emo was like, well, we wanted to do that faster and, it, and we weren't able to do as fast as we wanted it to. And you know, and the dog agrees that you know that you know, life is as fast as it could have been. Well, the dog and, does agree. I'm actually, I mean, my camera's blurry now too, which is really tech, and so I may have to send this one back. But anyway, well, I think the cameras were drinking wine too. I think that's what happened. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, right before we started, it went on blur. Um, so yeah. I, so I get the big takeaway from your question, Teresa, is that that those gaps are being exposed. They were already known, so it wasn't like this big aha. Like, but all of a sudden an additional priority has been, you know, applied. The reprioritization is what's really happened. So we like, it was on the back burner kind of, now it's on the front burner, but now that it's on the front burner, like, okay, well, we don't have the ingredients we need to actually make it happen. And it's happened as fast as we wanted to, because we need to happen like in two or three weeks. Some people have had to turn around stuff within like 72 hours. They needed a ha an app operational in the way they needed it. And that just was, they didn't have the capabilities of organizations to do that. And like, they want, now they're focusing on agile instead of like saying, hey, we're gonna put, you think everyone wanted to put everything in the cloud. That's not so much the case that we got, at least from the study, was that people were like, yes, cloud is part of that portfolio, but we really need to get our own house in order. We now want to have clarity from COVID, what our priorities are, and we need to figure out how to get there faster. And that's that's what's on uh, on the minds of most of the people that we're we're chatting with right now. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. Well, it even makes me think about even like so what you just stated, like all the shipping delays we saw, and the, the, yeah. we saw the, the demand changed, everything shifted. You're right, nobody was ready for it. And so, yeah, I mean, that's if you really kind of want to see. It's, like I said, it's it's different for for different people in that journey. There's no one size fits all, and that's the kind of thing we, we when when you put one of these surveys in a market like you know this global surveys and across different industries, you always expect hopefully like you got some aha, knock your head backs, you know, sort of stat like oh wow, you know, ninety percent of everyone are like just throwing their hands up and going to cloud, but that's not the case, and it's not bearing out in conversations as well. And I was talking to David and James Waters earlier. Um, that that conversation really wasn't about one you know one thing or one silver bullet, which it of course rarely ever is. And different people are seeing different gaps. And so what the big takeaway was was, hey, look, we're walking in here and we're doing one thing first. We're going to listen first to these companies because each has finding those different gaps is you know is is unique for each ones. And the reason why those gaps exist are different for each organization. And then how you're actually going to solve you know, to accelerate the closing of those gaps is also going to be different. So you know, a big thing was, it was like, okay, yeah, they were ready for distributed workforce, for example. Okay, they had plans in place, lots of them did. And the forward looking ones had good plans in place and were very successful. But there was a whole bunch of people that, that said, no, we thought we were you know, okay, but actually a lot of things were hacked in a place and because people were physically there, they could go check the server, they could, you know, they could SSH in this one way, or they could, you know, they could, you know, VPN, yada, 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 all these different things that were in place that kind of made everything work, kind of started to feel, fall apart. Like, you know, once you have a distributed workforce, everyone's like, okay, well, everyone just VPN in, so we're like, you know, so we're secure. Well, then all the traffic for the entire company is going through the Denner Center and then out through the internet and that's not working. So that's that's where we're falling down. So there's, you know, a gap there. Um, and there's a gap in, in the ways in which we can create a customer experience. Now everything's digital. Now we don't have anyone sitting in front of someone. Their entire experience with our company is completely digital. We're finding huge gaps once that scales up and, and those gaps have to be addressed. 
And so that digital experience, the employee experience, of course, is huge. You know, a lot of people say, well, we've got Slack, we've got Zoom, we've got all this stuff. But there's actually pieces that are missing in that stack. And so we're finding gaps in the way that people um, do procurement and the way that people, you know, authorize um, expenses. And it's all just come out of one system, go into another system, come out of that system, go into another system. And, and they're, they're finding ways in which those could be connected better. And that's where big gaps are, like an employee experience, for example. So um, I know there's a there's a lot there, um, and it's a it's always I always hate saying like you know well it depends you know which organization or what you know maturity level you're at, but after doing the survey, after talking to you know a lot of really smart people, as I said, it's sort of come together that it is really it's a, each of these environments is own little Galapagos island. I think James Waters likes to use that analogy. It's own little Galapagos, and it's evolved over time. And you have now you have birds with weird beaks and strange lizards on these planets, and you have to be able to figure out how to interact with them in that environment. But at the same time, just like you know the Galapagos sort of analogy continues on. Well, there's a Darwin effect that that happens there, where eventually, like you know, some of those pieces are going to have to go extinct, or some of them don't work for the organization anymore. And that the current crisis is shining a spotlight on what really doesn't work, whether it's customer experience, whether it's employee experience, and how those are scaling out. And so it's it's stark, and some companies were prepared and, and others weren't so much. And I think in talking to you know a lot of the, the partners and customers that I work with to what you're saying is it's in some ways forced them to move more quickly. Um, mm -hmm. In other aspects, it's shown them like, hey, what's not working that they didn't even think about? And then in other ways, kind of like we were talking about the the digital events, it's making us go, wait a second, like how do we make this an interactive experience? And so from from your perspective and what you're seeing, what would you say some of the bigger issues are that you've seen more broadly, like holistically across companies? Well, yeah, like don't get me started too on that virtual event thing because I will I will get up my soapbox. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Hold on. We're aligned right there. But, um, you know, when we think about companies and alignment and the, and kind of some themes that we're seeing with their applications and things that aren't working as they thought and how COVID has made us kind of jump the gun and, and get more um, advanced. What are you seeing? You know, it's, it's interesting because like I, like I said, um, it is, it's, it's different. It's, it's amazing. It's almost amazing how different it is for each organization. You'd think there'd be a lot of things that would sort of converge along. Oh, okay. We have security, you know, now we have a really yeah. huge attack surface with the distributed workforce. So we have a security issue. Um, you know, one big thing that actually kind of came out with, especially ones that companies that were really, really advanced, um, they're struggling with just getting people enough bandwidth. Just internet connectivity is actually one of the big things that they just, it was one of those ahas, like, you know, we have all these great apps, we have great access, whether they're cloud native, whether they're distributed, whatever they are, we've we've, we've built the stack so that we're not, we're not have, have to worry about business continuity or resiliency. But we didn't think about the fact that if everyone was going to go home and their kids yeah. are on Zoom doing remote learning and then their spouse is also on and they're doing a call and then someone's watching Netflix, like, you know, mom, dad's watching Netflix or something like that. All that has to happen all at the same time. And people, Zoom calls are dropping and it takes forever for them to access, you know, you know, tools like Microsoft Teams or anything else like that. When you're trying to upload or download PowerPoints that are really big, it's taking forever. You're, you're changing things online or just, you know, are just taking forever. So that's probably like the biggest thing that just everyone, if you you want to put everyone under one tent this managing the distributed workforce and providing enough bandwidth for everyone in order to just use the tools that they put in place in order to prevent the business resiliency and continuity issues that they're experiencing that's sort of the big tent issue and you'll hear everyone on zoom talking about like oh my goodness like 
everyone's on. And I, you know, I was, I don't know whether it was, you know, foresight or whatever, but I upgraded my service like months ago, uh, fortunately before this happened. So we've got every device on all streaming at once and, you know, knock on wood that I haven't, haven't had anything dropped yet, but that was, that was one of the interesting things I thought that, and that was the sort of the, the more advanced people, the ones that really had already done a lot of this transformation, just struggled with getting people <laughs> bandwidth to use the things that they had built uh, to be able to work with their teams. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. That is, that is so true. Well, I, I struggle with internet period in my home cause I have satellite internet. Mm -hmm. and so one of the things actually we, we had um, actually Al, um, and uh, Ross on for an episode where we talked about mesh networks. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did add a mesh network to my house. It's made I love a my mesh. I love mesh. Even with, yeah, even with my satellite internet, um, it, it, there's less of this mom's on a call, get you the <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so that's where digital problems. transformation is falling down. Mom is on a call and the kids want to watch Netflix. <laughs> the whole world is just imploding now. <laughs> So, but anyways, yeah. So I, it, it is interesting. I actually thought I was alone in that. And then I kept hearing people because I thought it was my internet bandwidth, but even people who have great options were still mm -hmm. struggling with it. So yeah, I do. Well, I for those of us that we're used to working from home very randomly, like I didn't have an office set up. And mm -hmm. as soon as I did, and then like you guys are saying, you know, then I would do a zoom call and my two daughters would have a zoom call and my husband would have a meeting. And then suddenly we're getting this, you know, internet broad issue and and so suddenly we're all those of us that were scrambling hurry you know let's go ahead and reconfigure your internet and let's get everything hardwired in and all these yeah. different things that we didn't think about before because for those of us that would randomly work from home this wasn't top of mind i had everything i needed in the office and so suddenly COVID's now teaching us hey everybody you know be prepared at home technically just as if mm -hmm. you were in the office it's, it's a whole new world for even our, our kids, they're even thinking differently. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And the one thing I don't have here is I don't have the cappuccino machine that's at our office, and that is vexing. You should. My cappuccino. You should. You have a nice closet behind you that should be lined with snacks. <laughs> there, you there you go. And a cap cap uh, I can't even say it. Your coffee machine. Exactly. Well, <laughs> M&M's back there, yes. some dried apricots or something, and espresso yeah. machine. And we can yes, snack on that all day. That would do work. No, but, I'm, I'm, but in all seriousness, Holly, what you're saying is resonating too, because it's, it's, it's very much like any sort of disaster happens. It's a hurricane, mm -hmm. it's a flood, and you have people who are displaced. So now they're just displaced from the office. So at least, you know, okay, we're not, you know, it's not an earthquake and, you know, we have food and water and shelter and all those things. But in that, that, and that disaster, you, that's the first thing you're providing, providing food, water, shelter, just the fundamental basics. And that's the same thing once overnight that happened. Now, this has been talked about a whole bunch. I want to want to cover all that, you know, sort of work from home remote, you know, thing. But we're in a, a progression now where it's like, okay, that's first triaged. We're on the ground. We're creating the refugee camp. We're all little refugees and distributed workforce. So the next is, okay, well, all right, this isn't going to be just two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. This is going to be months now. Okay, now we actually have to do things. We have to have other infrastructure that's built in. We have to have sanitation. We have to do all this. We have to build schools for kids. All this stuff is now having to happen that we've just never done before. Society, like these you know, teachers unions, of course, are up in arms because they've never been transitioned into, you know, or trained on, you know, work or, or schooling or teaching remotely. 
businesses. Well, technology you know, of it, yeah, right? Like exactly. a, lot, a lot of the teach from yeah. my experiences, you know, a lot of the teachers, they, I admire the teachers that we have because when we think about from a tech, technology standpoint, they're having to learn about all these new applications. I had teachers running apps on their phone to do Zoom and then trying to log into their laptop and, mm-hmm. you know, configuring the different look and feel of what it means to run Zoom or Microsoft Teams off of, you know, your your mobile device versus your laptop. It's, it's a very different experience. And so we've all had to kind of in different ways step up the plate a little bit on how we look at technology and what those gaps are and then how do we in the interim do a band-aided fix so that we can still can continue with what we need to do to make our lives keep going in yeah. this remote world whether it be work or school or even socializing yeah and you know and you know staying sane as well i'm just i'm just thank goodness that you know bevmo became an essential service <laughs> um that would have been tragic if something happened there uh, and it is keeping those things together and going on that journey, continue the progression. Okay. Now, like you said, only like I, I didn't have a, an office. I don't have a space, a quiet space just to have a phone call. I've got to set that up. What equipment, what logistics, what new habits do I have to build around that from, you know, f- just from my own family? Like how do I, how do the kids know that they need to behave a certain way so that when mommy's on a call, like you said, that, you know, things are, you know, you're not getting all this stuff in the background, you know, kids aren't killing each other. I've, you know, I've had to run off a couple calls to, you know, to stop my kids from basically beating over their, themselves over the heads. Yeah with various blunt objects and then having to come back to the call saying, I'm sorry, everybody. I just had to make sure that my kids, you know, didn't commit any a felony in the other room. I'm just worried about my dog right now. She really cares about the topic. My kids <laughs> have been sent over to the neighbors because the, the yeah. one thing that we think about um, technology and work from home and with our children, one thing as a parent, I didn't want my kids to have this disdain because mommy's on a call. And yeah. so we created this rule in the house of, okay, if I'm on a work call, there's some calls that you can join and some calls that you just can't join. It's yeah. like, you know, that would humanize it. So if I'm on a call with my team, jump on my lap, say hi, these are my kids, hop out. But if it's mm-hmm. if it's a podcast or if it's an interview with one of my partners, that's very serious to me and I don't want those interruptions. In the same sense, it's also about teaching your kids about the technology and how to use it so that they're safe while they're at home. Because like you said, for parents like myself, sure, they would have you know, YouTube or certain things that they were allowed to watch, but now with Zoom or Microsoft Teams, where they might have their own laptop and their own access to technology, keeping them safe while we're all trying yes, to like exactly. same in this new world of everybody running their school and work and, and socialization all in the same home. Holly, that is um that is so interesting. I I hadn't thought about it because mine are 17 and 14. Oh. So they they already had access to those tools, but when right. they're younger, yeah, they're being introduced to it way sooner than you ever would have given it to them. So it does actually um, cause for concern. <laughs> Speaking of family. <laughs> but when, when we think about, you know, like the topic at hand, when we think about applications and how COVID has changed us a bit, I've been eyes wide open to the different ways you can use apps and the different issues that you found where at home it's working one way and the office it's working a different way or the access that you have. So like they just had the conditional access for um, remote work that just came out for Microsoft or VPN issues like you were talking about, Eugene, like the way we're all amping up the way we use these apps and services and configuration. I think in some ways, even though it's it's a sad situation, it's we're using it for the betterment of our technology. That's what I'm seeing. I don't know. I want yeah. to know your thoughts on that, Eugene. 
Well, that was in perfect timing because I had to hand my daughter her laptop. Perfect. <laughs> <charging> <laughs> the room. I was like, wow, this is perfect. It's like she just like she cued. She was listening to us and just kind of came in at just the right time. <laughs> perfect but time. It, is, it is. There's a huge scale out of some of the uses of these technologies and those that performed well, like Zoom, you know, just became adopted and, and scaled out incredibly well. And those that that just fell down once you tried to scale them out um, are, you know, are now being looked at with a bit of a disdain saying, hey, why do we have to use this? Yes, it worked great when everyone was there with gigabit internet speed or when you could just turn around and ask your colleague a question and then re-tag something in the system. That all worked fine. We had what I called hacks for a whole bunch of different things. And so you get people like CIOs from universities who are saying like, we can't function now because that hack that we did when someone came late to class and wasn't registered and wrote their name on the paper and they handed the paper into a mouse and the mouse ran it through a hole and all this other stuff they did. It's like, that doesn't work anymore. Right. You know, when someone has a problem, we our system fundamentally cannot do what they need to do. Um, and those were just handled you know, manually and we can't do that anymore. So we've got to actually find solutions, not that just work, but actually now can scale. And these aren't just patches. And that's the big realization, the big aha that's kind of coming out of a lot of these conversations. This isn't something that's temporary. This is a fundamental shift in the way that we do everything. And that's what's really showing where those gaps are, not just applications, but also in processes and in culture, too. And that's a big piece as well, where that, that culture piece is just missing, where, you know, what is the expectation when you send a Slack message now that everyone's remote? You know, what's the etiquette for, for this particular type of Zoom meeting versus that particular type of Zoom meeting? And, and some of these applications, we may have them, but we may feel like, oh, they don't work. It's not because the applications has any issues. It's because we lack, there's a gap in that sort of cultural evolution in the organization. So I, one thing, I don't, it may sound a little bit odd, um, because, but I'm always trying to find some light in what, what's happening right now mm. in the world. And, and so I guess one thing is, I'm actually glad we can have this conversation. So when you think about a, a pandemic 100 years ago, like the Spanish flu, they didn't have all this technology. You, you, Holly, and I would never have ever had this conversation. We would have felt much more sheltered. I'm so glad that we can actually have a conversation about how to make lives better by finding these gaps and improving things. So I just wanted to sprinkle a little bit of lemonade on, <laughs> on, on uh, what could be perceived as a lemon because, um, I mean, yeah. there are a lot of bad things going on. And so I, I, I think some of this is, is happening at least there's some good things kind of happening in the background. Well, here, right? there, are, there are definitely positives that are coming out of the sort of tragic things that are happening right now. You know, there's, you know, their, their families are, are being, you know, torn apart. There's, you know, there's all this sort of negativity that's, you know, that's happening, you know, also there's cultural rifts for people who are making different decisions, you know, in different situations. But one of the things when I was talking to Basque, who's my CIO, who I chat with every now and again, um, there's a lot of, opportunity here um, and there's people who like he said i love david said like there's people with the audacity to say look at we we can do things differently and here's an opportunity and we're going to take this opportunity and we're going to help whether it's through code whether it's through culture to take advantage of this opportunity and make something that's going to work better that's going to perform better and that's going to fit better for how we're going to live our lives for you know for the foreseeable future even once you know a year from now two years from now let's say everyone's fully vaccinated, or we've got herd immunity or whatever that situation is, hopefully with the, the minimal loss of life, whatever, whatever solves it, how are we going to work differently from then on? And now mm -hmm. people are going to want sort of that 
choice first working experience. You know, if I join a company and they're like, you know what, you have to come to the office and you have to sit here so the manager can look over your shoulder and, and yet it's like, no, it's like, well, that is that going to be acceptable anymore? And, you know, and across all industries and, and the answer is, you know, is that some industries will have to, they're bound by regulation and laws that people have to be like in this building, but most won't be. So it's, I'm, I'm fascinated and I'm excited about some of the, like you said, Teresa, some of the positives that will come out of this that will allow people to, you know, to live, you know, whether between the work that they do, between the things they have in their personal life and, and be able to have those fit together better. And for at the same time to be creative, to be, you know, innovative and to be productive for the company and accomplish what they want to, but in a way that suits their life much better and is less impactful um, on, you know, the relationships and their health and all of those things. And looking at the time, I, I just want to make one comment before we wrap up. What One thing that you said at the beginning, Eugene, that I really thought was important and impactful is that as we, you know, be, become a socially distant, um, disconnected sort of um, environment, you said something really important that reminds us that even if we have to do it remote, connecting with other people. You said, I talked to many CFOs, CIOs, CTOs. That's really important because the more that we chat with each other, even if it isn't a virtual experience, we're continuously learning from each other on how we impact each other, how we handle these challenges. And, and you get a different perspective and it helps us all to think a little bit more outside of the box. So I thought that was really important um, as we think towards technology, but how important that one-to-one uh, -one experience still really is for each of us. So thank you for, for bringing that out. I thought that was really important in all this. No, it's all about the people. The ultimately, it's always about people. Yeah, I agree. You and I had a, a nice conversation about some of that earlier <laughs> on a different yes, platform. We did, indeed. Um, and it really does. I, I like um, I like what you said about having a choice too, um, because I think in the past we didn't always have a choice. The the enterprise kind of made the rules, and if you were lucky, they might let you. Uh, be remote. Um, and then, but then there were always like, like in my day job, I mean, I am remote and I would travel. Well, now I don't mm -hmm. travel. So um, it, it's, it's changed things for me as well. But yeah. and there was that, that tension too, where, you know, you had uh, an operational model and an application stack that, that really supported a certain type of work. And when you did it remotely, there was a tension, not just in excess, in access, and not just in usability, not just in latency, but there was a tension in the culture and a relationship with the other people on the team. So now we can remove that tension, prove that yes, we can be effective working remotely. And I don't have to feel like the one that's not in the room. And I'm always just the voice on the speakerphone and people forget to turn it off or forget that I'm on the call. And you know, there's now everyone's on a level playing field. Um, and that level playing field, you know, has exposed, you know, that the, those gaps um, like we were talking about earlier. And so when you have, everyone on the same level, whether they're in Brazil or whether they're in the United States, whether they're in, you know, France, it's really, I think, one of the most powerful things that's happened so far from, you know, culture and HR perspective is that we've shown how effective all these different people can be. There's been appreciation for talent that wasn't as appreciated before. There's been a flexibility in the, in the, in the hiring process. So now, you know, you have to have someone work remotely when they're hired on regardless of, you know, what, what your position is in many case. And so now you, the genies, that kind of genie is out of the bottle and you're starting to get proof points of, yes, we can do it differently. This is not just some vision on a PowerPoint. This is something that we've shown in the real world that talent exists in places that we weren't looking before. Now we get to look there. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So 
Um, we are we are at time. Um, it's fantastic talking with you, Yadin. Um, I I actually I, I enjoy doing these because I always learn something. So um, it was really great to kind of hear about where you see the gaps and stuff. Um, so thank you for that. And it was and nice to meet you virtually. It's wonderful <laughs> meeting you, uh, Holly. It was like you're like you're like in the next room. I don't know. I'm, I talked to somebody in France, someone in Chicago, Seattle. You're just like they're all in my in my computer. This little square that I have here. Everyone just comes here. They just come here wherever they are. It's magical. It's wonderful. Well, I thought this was a really fun conversation. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on the show. All right. And that wraps up our episode, um, our most recent episode of Current Status. Everyone have a fantastic day or evening, depending on where you are in the world. See you later. Stay safe.